Welcome to the Elevate Orthodontics Podcast with Dr. Lance Miller. Each week, we bring you interviews with the top minds in the orthodontic profession in order to heighten your expertise, boost your motivation, and raise your skills. Join us as we help doctors take their practices and their lives to the next level. And now, here's your host, Dr. Lance Miller. Welcome to the Elevate Orthodontics Podcast. I'm Dr. Lance Miller, and as always, I'm thrilled that you're here with us, tuning in for another episode. I've got a great interview lined up today with Dr. Ben Fishbein of Fishbein Orthodontics in Pensacola, Florida. Ben's a real marketing genius, and I know you're going to take away a lot of useful tips and techniques uh, from this interview on how to run a successful orthodontic practice. So I'm really excited to bring that to you. I want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening, sharing this podcast with uh, your friends who are orthodontists, anyone else in the orthodontic profession that would have an interest. It's exciting to see the growth of the podcast audience and uh, the downloads that we have every week, especially now that we've got some new episodes coming out. Uh, Those numbers are are ticking back up again. So I I just want to say thank you. I have a thought of the week uh, for you guys before we get into the interview. And this is kind of cobbled together from a couple of different sources, something that's been on my mind and something that I seem to hear sometimes in in these online Facebook groups. And I guess sometimes we look at orthodontists that have very successful practices. Maybe we're starting out or maybe we have a practice that's not quite where we want it to be. And we look and we say, man, they just have everything together. And the thought of being able to achieve what uh, some of these doctors have achieved seems somewhat overwhelming. So I wanted to comment on that and tie it back in to something I read recently on a blog from uh, Joshua Kennan. Uh, And this has to do with what we should focus on. In other words, do we focus on, I want a fantastically successful practice, or are we focused on the things that are going to get us there? Sometimes when we look at these big picture views, they're important to give us an idea of where we want to go. But on the day-to-day, what we really need to be focused on are the small actionable items, the systems in our practice that we set up. Uh, What are the things that we can do for the new patient process? What are the things that we could do clinically? What can we do for our inventory system? These are not exciting things to talk about, but in reality, these are the things that lead to a successful practice. And this this is the quote I wanted to read for you guys here. This says, A person can't actually bake a pie. Instead, all you can do is combine butter with flour, then add shortening, then add apples, and add sugar, etc. The pie is the result, the outcome of the individual action steps. This is a universal truth in life. You can't plant a forest. You can only put seeds in the ground, then water them, then fertilize them, then trim them. The result is a byproduct of the process. Get the process right and the results just happen as if by magic. When you understand this, you don't get overwhelmed because all you need to do is focus on the action on your desk at that moment. Everything else is a distraction. So I love that quote, and I love that concept, that instead of being overwhelmed about trying to bake a perfect pie, all we need to do is focus on the details, measuring out the ingredients, putting together in the proper proportions, setting the oven to as Cole Johnson would say, the muffin temperature or the pie temperature, taking care of these little things that are under our control and then seemingly as if by magic, the results come together. And I think that's so true that when we can take care of these little things and systematically work our way through all of the processes and systems in our practice, 
that the end result is something that's really kind of wonderful and uh, that that's hard to kind of achieve just by kind of wishing it into existence or uh, being discouraged by the fact that you're not where you want to be. So I would encourage you to take a moment to think about what in your practice you can work on. And even if it seems like a small thing, tackle that with all the energy you have, make that part of your practice great, and then go on to the next thing and the next thing. And soon enough, you'll have that pie or that fantastic practice that you've always wanted. So that's my thought for the week. We will dive into the interview here with Dr. Ben Fishbein. Dr. Ben Fishbein is the orthodontist and owner of Fishbein Orthodontics, a fast-growing practice with five locations surrounding Pensacola, Florida. He received his doctorate of dental surgery from the University of Maryland School of Dentistry and earned his certificate of advanced graduate studies in orthodontics from Jacksonville University School of Orthodontics. Dr. Fishbein is a top 1% Invisalign provider and serves as the official smile provider for the Pensacola Blue Wahoos minor league baseball team. Fishbein Orthodontics has won the Best Marketing Design Award from the Progressive Orthodontist Study Club, and Dr. Fishbein has been a speaker at Orthodontic Study Clubs and Meetings. Welcome to the Elevate Orthodontics Podcast, Dr. Fishbein. Thanks for having me, Lance. I'm a big fan of the show. Great, great. Mm-hmm. Ben, we're, I'm such a big fan of yours. Uh, I've been so impressed with your drive and your, and your big picture thinking. Tell our audience a little bit about your professional journey since completing your residency. So I uh, graduated... Uh, and initially worked at a, a corporation uh, for a year, which, um, you know, like any experience, had had good and bad, and I learned quite a bit from that. And um, about a year after that, I bought a small practice with that had two locations, and we've grown that quite a bit. And um, over the past couple of years, we opened up two additional locations. So, you know, we're actually at, at five locations now in, in northwest Florida. You know, I'm I'm curious always with for people like you who are really kind of driven and, and entrepreneurial. Was there anything or experiences in your childhood that kind of pushed you towards orthodontics <laughs> or stoked your entrepreneurial ambitions? Oh, uh, good question. I do have an uh, uncle uh, who's an orthodontist in Maryland who's who's got a large practice, and um, Dr. Jeffrey Miller. Uh, and I actually spent some time at his office when I was younger in high school and worked there. And, um, that's what, that's what drove me to it initially. And he's just been, been such a, you know, mentor for me that, um, I've, I've learned so much from him. Yeah. Yeah. How about, uh, you know, kind of this, this business mindset or this marketing, where does that come from? You know, the marketing, I just kind of enjoy. Um, and the people I've been around, um, in some of these study groups, um, you know, I'm in, I'm in a number of them. I think I've just kind of my mindset has changed a bit from when I first got out of school to, you know, just strictly clinical orthodontics to now more of a, a business and marketing mindset. Um, just, just being around those guys and yeah. girls. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, well, we're here, we're here in Chicago. We're doing this interview live. We're at the Orthodontic Exchange uh, Study Club meeting here, and, and we, we just heard you lecture. And you started your lecture today with this question to the audience. 
what's your competitive advantage? And kind of, I took that to mean, you know, what does each orthodontist or each doctor have that kind of makes them unique that they can capitalize on that can kind of give them a unique advantage, uh, you know, versus I guess the competition or whatnot. But I'm curious what you view as your competitive advantage. So, you know, me personally, you know, just just me. I enjoy marketing. I'm not a I'm not a, an expert in it by any means. There's people who do it professionally, but I think because I enjoy it, I may probably enjoy it a little bit too much. It, it's helped grow our practice. But what I really have to give credit to is my team, and I think that what our competitive advantage is at Fishbine Orthodontics is we have an incredible team. We have um, an incredible COO, Amanda Floyd, who uh, really helps drive our practice. And um, another uh, doctor who works alongside of me, Dr. Sarah Howe, who, who you know, really is amazing. And just our team together and the culture I think we have is, is difficult for, you know, any corporation to try to, to, try to compete with and, and even, you know, some of the other practices as well. So let's, let's dive in with that. Um, what are the things that you've done to drive patients you know, through the front door? Or is it, are you someone that kind of focuses in on one specific strategy, or do you try to be everywhere your patients are? <laughs> uh, I can tell you we don't have one particular strategy. If there was one strategy that, that worked 100% of the time, that, that's all I'd be doing. But my philosophy is kind of like bro, uh, throw a bunch of stuff against the wall and, and see what sticks. Um, and then once they're in the door, treating them right. Uh, and that I think goes a longer way than any kind of external marketing you can do because word of mouth is is always the the best thing. So you know, no matter what kind of marketing you're doing, if you know if you're treating them right, they'll they'll send their friends in. Yeah, yeah. What um, what are some of the marketing things that you've done that maybe are a little bit unique or you know that that uh, other orthodontists might look to and say like, oh, that might be something I'd like to try. Well, our Mascot is a fish, so we try to, which kind of works for us in in Florida, and it also works with with my last name, of course. So we've tried to brand everything with that fish. You know, we have a a full mascot uh, fish that you know someone dresses up at for events. We give out you know stuffed animals of the of the little uh, our our fish mascot. Um, it, it's all over all of our, our branding stuff. And I think part of it is just keeping that consistency has helped with our branding. So now, you know, people, people see that mascot, um, and they know what it means, you know, in terms of outside the, the box marketing, I, I've certainly tried, um, I tried so many things, probably too many to name. Um, you know, some, some of them work, some of them don't, but you, you really don't know until you try. Right, right. Uh, I find that's true, and in my practice, you know, you, you kind of have an idea, and then you wonder if it's a good idea or not, and there's some resistance in your own mind to like, oh, I don't know the logistics of that, or it's expensive, or what will people think? But sometimes you just go and try it, and and I feel like that happens to me. I, I I've had things that have been just really unexpected successes, mm-hmm. and then I've had things that I thought were going to be like surefire winners <laughs> that like, have totally bombed, and you kind of just have to take the good with the bad. Oh my gosh, yeah, 100%, 100%. And sometimes, you know, for you to actually learn that it doesn't work, you, you know, for me, I, I'm, you know, so stubborn that, you know, it doesn't work. You know, I have to, I think I have to lose a particular amount of money for it for me to learn the lesson, and unfortunately, that number keeps going up, so... <laughs> You know, I, I I can't tell you how many times, how many things I've tried in the mall that 
you know, I, and every time I do it, I say, I will never do this again. And then someone, you know, brings it back up to me and it's hard to resist. So, yeah, I think though that attitude, that willingness to try is something that I think is really valuable and that, you know, sometimes orthodontists are, are, kind of trained to be conservative or trained to do what works or kind of have this idea that, um, you know, that, I don't know, there's just this reluctance to jump in. But I think whether it's it's a marketing thing or whether it's something you want to try in your practice, you know, that willingness to do it and to figure it out, I think that's probably a, a key part of what's made you so successful. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Um, you know, there's a line, I think, that uh, from Mark Zuckerberg, um, I think he says, "Move fast and break things." So just just keep going and just and just keep trying it. And you know, you're you're much better off if you you know try a hundred things and most of them don't work than if you you know. You, but some of them do versus trying nothing at all. Yeah. Well, let's well, let's actually talk about that. Um, you know, as your practice has grown and it's grown quite a lot, what are the growing pains you've experienced? It always seems to me that growth has a way of breaking your existing systems. Growth. Growth will destroy your existing systems, especially if you're if you're growing pretty um, pretty quickly, you know. And then you have, you know, you you may face cash flow issues if your production is just so much higher than your collections, right? But you know, in in terms of your systems, you know, we what killed us was it, you know, we had initially two people answering the phones, and then you know when you grow pretty significantly, they're missing so many of those phone calls, you know, now I don't know how many people we have answering phones, but it, it you know, our phone system is, has completely changed. Um, our clinical systems have had to get so much tighter because now with, you know, two doctors and, um, you know, 35 team members, everyone doing something a little bit different. Um, you, you really have to keep it, keep everything consistent. And that's, that's been a challenge as well. Right, right. Dive in a little bit more on the phones. What are the things that, that you've done and, and how did you kind of realize you had an issue there and, and what did you do to fix it? So initially we had no idea anything was wrong. We just thought, okay, we're, I just, you know, assumed, hey, we're getting 100% of our phone calls. We're totally fine. And then, you know, we finally smartened up and said, you know, this isn't working. We need a new, uh, a new phone system. And, and we used a, a group called uh, Sh- uh, Shortel. And <laughs> from the reports we were getting from that, we found out we were missing, you know, probably 15 to 20% of our phone calls. And if you really think about it, if you're missing one new patient exam call a day, that's costing you a million dollars in production. So after we found that out, we, you know, hired a, a lot more people to to help with the phones and, and some other things. And, you know, we're still missing phone calls. I bet if you, you know, I bet every practice is actually probably missing a significant amount of phone calls, but we're, we're missing, you know, much less, much lower percentage than we were before. Right. Have you been able to track like the times a day people are calling or has that changed the hours that you're answering the phones? So good question. We can, um, we do have reports that tell us everything, including how long somebody's on the phone for, how long someone's on hold for, which, uh, team members answering the phone, how many phone calls every team member is answering. It hasn't changed the hours, um, we we've answered the phone, but you know maybe that's that's something we should look into next. What I can tell you, we do that's probably different than maybe a lot of other teams is we do answer the phone every Saturday. I always have somebody on the phones on on Saturday, and and we do get some new patient calls then. And you know we also um, you know even though we're only working eight to five, we'll we'll add an extra half hour on the phone, so we're answering phones from seven thirty to five thirty, which which you know actually helps. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think people call. I think, you know, if you I think if anyone wants to really dig into their data, which sounds like you're able to do now, you'd find that you're getting calls at these times that you don't expect it. And it doesn't take many new patient calls to pay for that extra person to be there after Absolutely hours not. or on Saturdays. Absolutely not. It's always worth it. The, the tricky thing is finding somebody for Saturdays, right? <laughs> Great. Let's talk about uh, in the clinic. You mentioned that you've got now a bigger team and you know, you've know you got more patients and you're trying to keep things standardized. What have you done in terms of your training or your you know, uh, you know, staff protocols uh, to keep that level of consistency in the clinical setting? So because we've grown so much, we've had to hire you know, a number of new uh, clinical team members. So part of it is just their training. You know, at first when somebody would come in, you know, to train, they'd hang around one of our other team members and that's how somebody was trained. Now we have, you know, a series of steps they go through before they're, they're seeing patients and, um, a, a number of different people they'll, they'll work with in a particular order, you know, before, before they're, they're seeing patients as well or before they're on their own, I should say. The other thing I would say is in terms of the appliances we're using, you know, we are tightening up a bit. So we're not just, hey, I feel like using uh, this appliance today and this appliance tomorrow. So, you know, part of that's on me where um, I'm trying to be, you know, more consistent with the appliances I use. Uh, Fortunately, we have our own lab tech. So if I do want to get creative, I still have that ability. And the other thing is with Invisalign. So we do quite a bit more Invisalign now. And you know, initially I was the one submitting all the cases. And now if I tried to do that, we would be a nightmare. So we have someone uh, on our team that um, sole responsibility is to submit those Invisalign cases. I'm, I'm seeing every clin check, of course, but uh, we've, we've streamlined that process pretty well. So by the time you get the clin check, a lot of that work's already been done and kind of cleaned up in terms of the submission. Uh, a little bit. I mean, I'm I'm still, you know, messing with the ClinCheck. I just, you know, I, I can't help myself, but we, we have someone who, who really helps in, in that regard. Okay, great. So, you know, having opened five offices, um, what did you do differently opening office number five or your newest office that, that you learned from the previous four? You know, what lessons have you learned along the way, for instance, about like the physical facility that you want to have? So it's really three things, right? One is what you mentioned, um, the the physical plant. Two is parking, which is a nightmare. And three is marketing. And, you know, physical plant, um, we're just going bigger than before because at some of our older locations, now we're at the point where we just can't see more patients per day. And it's not because of the the doctor. It's actually because of the, the physical plant. So they're not necessarily getting bigger in square footage, but they're um, we're adding more chairs in, in less space and actually able to see more patients in, you know, one of our 2,500 square foot offices than our 4,400 square foot office just because of the layout. And, you know, we had to learn that from our previous locations, unfortunately, and now trying to retrofit those older locations, it is costly, but it's something we're working on. Um, number two is the parking. So two of my offices are older and they're standalone buildings and um, we don't have enough parking. So even if I wanted to add more patients uh, for that location, they, they just have nowhere to park. It's already an issue. So, you know, we're spending quite a bit of money on one of our locations to add a new parking lot. And man, I... Those just, are expensive. They are... I. I 
you know, I didn't know anything about this stuff when I was in school, but they are extremely expensive, and it's it's something I kind of wish I knew before I got into it. But you know, it's okay. I mean, it's it's uh, you know, it's fine. Hopefully, we'll we'll be able to continue to grow from it. And three is the the marketing. So what I've learned is you can't just open a practice and then start marketing it. Um, what we like to do is really hit the marketing hard six months before we open. We're doing that a number of different ways, you know, um, you know, online, of course, with Facebook and Google and our website. Um, and then also, you know, we'll do some, you know, non-digital stuff like billboards and direct mailers. So we're, we're trying to really attract patients before the doors are even open. So do you feel like by doing that, by marketing, you mean that in your more recent offices has allowed you to kind of start with a little bit of momentum already? Oh, for sure. I mean, we're, you know, the last two offices we opened, um, our new patient exam schedule was full on day one. Um, I think even day two. So yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, you know, I think it's a no brainer. Yeah. So let's, let's apply that maybe to someone who maybe doesn't have your existing kind of marketing presence and your, you know, exist, you know, maybe your budget. What if it's a new graduate or a new startup, let's say, someone who's coming out and who wants just to do a scratch start in a town where they have no presence? If, if that was the task that was assigned to you with a startup budget, what would you do and how would you go about opening that office? I'd be knocking on every door. And, you know, not just dentists but and not just, you know, even a dental specialist, but I'm talking like every business. I'd make up, you know, whatever, some kind of cheap flyer or, you know, if I could, I'd spend some, you know, money on it to make it look good. But I would just go into every door I could and just say, hey, you know, I'm just want to introduce myself. I'm a new orthodontist here. Um, and just as many people as you can talk to, as many doors as you can get in, um, that's, that's the way I would do it if, if I didn't have a, uh, you know, a budget to, to work with. Um, you know, also, these Facebook advertisements are very cheap right now. It's actually unbelievable how, how cheap they are. And my prediction is over the next five years, they're going to get more and more expensive. So, you know, just because, you know, advertising does not always have to be um, too expensive if, if, if you're doing it right. Right. So, so shoe leather and Facebook <laughs> would be your two. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. That's advice there. You know, in such a busy practice like you have now, I, I know you've had to rely, and you, and you mentioned this, on your team. Uh, what have you learned about leadership and about empowering your team? Um, how do we get over our need to micromanage everything and, and really be able to delegate stuff? I think you really need to be self-aware and really know if you're a good leader or not. And it's okay if you're not. I... I to be honest, do not consider myself a, a, an effective leader. So I, I've hired people who who are um, a, a number of them, and I, I've actually, in terms of the management of my practice, to be honest, take more of a passive role. And I think my what I'm best at is is two things. One is sitting behind the chair and working on patients, and you know, two is is marketing because I like it. Um, but in terms of leadership, um, I think you have two options. One is, you know, if you're a good leader, you know, definitely go for it. If not, hire the appropriate people or, or take some classes and, and try to improve yourself. Yeah. As you kind of develop these layers of leadership, most organizational charts and orthodontic offices, including mine, it's like you've got the doctor and then maybe an office manager, and then there's like everyone else. I guess maybe you have like a clinic lead. It depends on the size of your practice. But as you've added these additional layers of, of leadership, has that changed the way that you kind of interact with your employees? 
Uh, yes and no. I mean, I talk to every team member. We're not, you know, we're not too big. We're, you know, we, we've, we've grown quite a bit, but you know, we're not like, you know, I think he interviewed Scott Law a few weeks ago where I don't know how many team members he's at now, but I, I definitely communicate with all my team members. And in the office, I will make sure to at least say hi to every, you know, and ask them how they're doing to every person in the office, no matter if they're, you know, in our call center or they're, you know, a, a clinical team member, a clinical team member, not just, you know, ask them a question about work, but just, you know, just say hi and, and how are you? And I think that goes a long way. Right. What, what for you is like a good day in the office and what are your pet peeves? Like, what are the things that like you come to work and if this happens, it's like bad news? Oh, pet peeve is probably the worst is somebody comes in and they expect something and they're not getting it. For example, they come in and this doesn't happen often, but I, I'm sure it happens at every office. Let's say they're coming in to get their Invisalign delivery. And for some reason, the Invisalign is not there, whether it's sent to the wrong office or you guys ordered it on the wrong date. and you know, I hate when somebody, I hate to, to be below somebody's expectations. We do everything we can to be above their expectations. So when we don't, I just feel terrible. I mean, you know, we've wasted the most precious thing they have, which is their time. So we make up for that if that happens. And, you know, fortunately, you know, we've never had an instance where somebody was so mad about it. They're like, yeah, I'm leaving the practice. But we, I, I really truly feel, feel bad about it. Um, what would you do to make up for it? <laughs> good question. We will go out of our way, you know, for example, if it's an Invisalign delivery, I say, you know what, tell me when you can come in. You want to come in Saturday, Sunday, evening, morning, I'll be there for you. You know, sometimes we'll give them a gift card. Um, we, we'll, we'll do whatever it takes. And, you know, we've, we've done some things that are, that are more creative too. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal, but, you know, to the wrong, to certain patients, it's a bigger deal than, than others. Um, but you know, we we certainly we we don't want to let them down. I, I just feel like a failure when that happens. Yeah, I feel like a failure because you know it, you can you can like yell at your staff or blame your team, but ultimately, I feel like what did I do wrong? Like, how did I not set the system up properly to mm-hmm. like make sure that this didn't happen? You know, and it is a really I hate that feeling when you. It's, it's the worst is what it's not. The worst is not when you disappoint someone who like is already kind of grumpy and is upset about everything. Mm-hmm. The worst is that patient who's like excited to be in your office and they look like they're going to be like charged up and then you do something oh, that's not great. That's oh, such a huge letdown. It, it's terrible. I, you know, and it's funny if, you know, that's the worst thing that happens. I mean, there, there, there are worse things, but that's the thing that we're most stressed about is orthodontists. I mean, gosh, we have things pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And, and I always, you know, I always think of Neil Kravitz and the whole get to happy and just do whatever it takes to, to make them happy. And, yeah. Um, sometimes, you know, even in those situations where, you know, perhaps the blame is a little bit shared between the office and the patient still just, you know, just put your ego aside and, and, and get to happy as quickly as possible. So, um, you know, your, your practice success has, I think, garnered some attention from, from your fellow orthodontists, uh, many of whom have come to visit your practice. Ben, what have you learned about the challenges that orthodontists are thinking about or facing uh, from these visits? So I just wrote an article in the Progressive Orthodontist magazine called Get Out of Your Way. And, you know, what's funny is uh, me and my COO will we'll sit down with every um, orthodontist or, or team member that comes to visit our practice. And, you know, we learn as much from them as, as they come in and, and learn from us. So we love having having visitors. And the one thing that that keeps on repeating um, the, the, the same story is, 
you know, I can't do this because of, you know, I can't do, I want to, I'm at A, I want to be at B, but I can't because of X. And it's really just a mindset thing. It's them getting in their way. They're finding a reason why they can't get to a certain point. And, you know, not everybody wants a, a big practice. I mean, we talked to a number of orthodontists at this meeting saying, you oh, know, I'm happy working three days a week, but I want to grow my practice. And well, do you want to work four days a week? No, 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 <laughs> no, I'm, I'm good. So it just, it, it depends what you want, but you know, at some point there's a trade-off, right? So if you want a bigger practice, you're going to have to work more. And that's a, that's a lifestyle choice that I think each one of us needs to make in terms of what kind of practice we want. I think that's true. And I think when there's this gap between where you are and where you want to be, you've got a couple of ways to diffuse that tension. You know, one of them is to like actually go out and fix the problem. <laughs> but another way is to like make an excuse or to give a reason to kind of placate that part of your mind that's that's kind of alarmed by this discrepancy in your present and your desired situation. And if you can give yourself a good enough reason, then that kind of that that part of you that's 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 dissatisfied is driving you forward, kind of quiets down and goes back into the background so you don't have to worry about it. And I think that you're right. There's this there's this temptation to find something to fill that void with other than actually solving the problem that, that's sure, at hand. Sure, right, right. And then, you know, the other part is, let's say you have a competitor, right, and they're, they're doing significantly more than you. You know, why are they doing, how, how come they have a bigger practice than you? They must be, you know, lying, stealing, cheating, doing something unethical to have the bigger practice. It can't be because, you know, they're working harder or they're working smarter, right? It's, we, we, tend, to find, uh, we, we tend to find excuses for, uh, for, for the things that, that we don't want to accept. Yeah, and I think, on the other, on the flip side of that, is like anyone who's like smaller than us, we look at and be like, oh, they're they're underperforming, or like they're not living up to their potential, or they've got these like outdated mindsets. Like the perfect size practice is like the one that we have, and we like judge the people that are like on both sides of us. Sure, sure, absolutely, yeah. You know, there's no right way of of doing it, and I think as long as you're happy with your practice, that's really the only thing that matters. Great. So what, what are you focused on today? Like, what are your goals? You know, we're at the end of 2017, you know, for 2018, are, are you still focused on growth or marketing or, you know, what are the things that you feel like you're, you're looking forward to for the new year? We are, I mean, we, of course, you know, like to grow and, and be more productive and be more efficient. So efficiency is something we're working on. Um, I'm working quite a bit, which, which I don't mind. I, I like being at the office, but you know, it also might be nice to, to have some days off. Um, so efficiency, growth, and uh, just keeping our, our team and patients really happy. Awesome. Awesome. We're going to dive in now, Ben, to these uh, express eight questions. We're going to go through eight kind of rapid fire questions, and we'll just get some short answers from you. Does that sound good? Sure, sure. Absolutely. Right. What's your go-to treatment for full step class twos? So we'll start off with class two elastics, maybe depending on the case, upper buys, but we will sometimes use uh, the Dynaflex class two corrector springs. Cool, cool. What is your standard retention protocol? Typically, depending on the case, we'll do upper and lower trutane retainers worn all the time for a week and then at night. But, you know, of course, we also make Holly retainers and have permanent retainers depending on the case. Cool. Who would you say are your role models or mentors? There, there are really so, so many. I, I'd already mentioned my, uh, my uncle uh, Jeffrey Miller um, as a, as a mentor. Um, just other role models I have, uh, Jason Tam um, in, um, in Toronto has such an amazing practice and such a uh, analytical thinker. Uh, 
you know, someone about office culture is Chris Feldman. I can't keep, can't keep up with him and with his, with his, uh, culture and Facebook marketing. So I, I have so many. I think the people that I also look up to, the people we don't give enough credit to, are some of the managers of some of these practices. You know, you have Scott Hansen um, at Hansen Orthodontics, who, you know, does ortho chat, so I think is brilliant. I think you're going to hear that name a lot. Uh, Bridget Burris, uh, you know, of course, that, that helped Ben. Um, you know, my COO, Amanda Floyd, uh, Xenia Shirk, Shirk Orthodontics. So, you know, so many of these people who I think are, have such, you know, a large responsibility for some of these great practices that, that, just really don't get enough credit. No, I think that's true. I think there's a lot of uh, attention paid to the doctor and not enough to some of these uh, other professionals that are you know, working hard to, to grow and manage these practices. Um, great. What would you say is your favorite orthodontic product or instrument? Invisalign. Invisalign. <laughs> yeah. Plastic. That's right. Uh, what's the best vacation you've ever taken? Uh, Hawaii. 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 So you go from the beach to the beach. The beach to the beach. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. But it's a it's a different view. You know, it's, it's all about the view. That's right. That's right. What's one great book that you've read recently? I just read uh, very small, short. You know, very quick read. Straighter uh, that that um, Burris and Ackerman wrote. I, I really, you know, very quick, easy read. But I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, depending on you know how, how you feel about it, just had had an interesting perspective from a patient's point of view. Sure. Sure. What bracket system are you currently using? We use Mid-Atlantic Brackets, MBT, bracket system. Great. And what's one area of orthodontics that you would love to learn more about or become more proficient in? Invisalign Teen. So I think that's the next big thing, and um, it's really trying to get our comfort level up with using Invisalign on teenagers. Awesome. Ben, this has been an amazing interview. I just want to thank you for taking a little bit of time here uh, out of your day to come and share this uh, with our listeners. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Lance. I want to give you a quick moment before we sign off here. I know you have uh, just recently developed uh, an in-office course because I'm sure everyone after hearing uh, you is going to want to, to learn more. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about that and, and kind of what your goals are? So we do. We have a lot of visitors, and what we've kind of decided is we want to make it a better experience um, and a more organized experience for our visitors. So we started something called Fishbine Fundamentals. You can you can see that on fishbindfundamentals.com. And it's a one-and-a-half-day course where we review some of our systems and some of our marketing strategies that have been really effective for us. And, you know, to be honest, we, we just, we're really proud of, of what we've done, and, and we we like to show that off and and have visitors great great i i would encourage anyone out there if, if you want to learn anything about uh marketing branding consistency practice management um i think i think that would be a, a fantastic opportunity um any final thoughts ben anything else that you want to share with our listeners any advice you have oh man you're doing such a great job with this podcast thank you for having me and uh, i can look forward to listening to more of these Great. Well, uh, thanks again, Ben, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Elevate Orthodontics podcast. For more episodes, subscribe on iTunes or visit our website at elevateorthopodcast.com. Tune in next week for another great episode.